I'm Dustin O'Halloran, composer, and I will be the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, thank you for joining me for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 396 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have a composer joining us on On Screen and Beyond. Dustin O'Halloran is going to be joining us. He is an Emmy Award-winning composer for the theme from Transparent. And we're going to talk about that, and he's done all kinds of other things. It's an interesting one. It's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond, so stick around. But, of course, first we've got to get through our remakes and our... Uh, new movies and sequels and the whole bunch. If you are new here at On Screen to Be On, I want to thank you for joining us. And, of course, everybody who comes back and keeps coming back, we appreciate it. If you have a suggestion for a guest, we listen to you. All you got to do is send me the suggestion at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about digging that person up and see if I can make a connection so we can get them on here. And Dustin O'Halloran is going to be coming up, and he... Uh, it's quite a composer, so it's going to be a good one. And what do you say? Let's get right into Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, it looks like the Masters of the Universe is back in the news. Director McGee is in the talks to head the He-Man remake, and it appears to be on the studio's fast track. 1986's Labyrinth is in the works for a remake, and the original had the late David Bowie in the film. June 9th, 2017 will be the release date for the latest remake of The Mummy from Universal. It looks like Tom Cruise is going to be starring in the film, but this version will have a female mummy. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, it looks like a biopic of the life of Laurel and Hardy is in the works, and Steve Cogan will play Laurel, and John C. Riley will play Hardy. And the film is called Stan and Ollie, and no release date as of yet. John Ratzenberg and C. Thomas Howell, C. Thomas was a guest here at On Screen and Beyond in the past, will star in Shifting Gears as the overworked dad starts a family business to bring him closer to his kids. The film was a comedy, and we'll give you more information as it becomes uh, known. And it looks like Shirley MacLaine and Amanda Seyfried will star in The Last Word. It's a comedy coming in 2016. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen to Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming away as far as sequels down at Sequel City. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Sequel City, news is out that Lauren Cohen of The Walking Dead will play Bruce Wayne's mother in Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. The movie arrives on March 25th. Avatar 2 was uh, set for Christmas of 2017, but now the blockbuster has been pushed back with no release date yet. Most likely it's going to be in the summer, but uh, we'll see. Will Smith will star in Bad Boys 3 in 2017, and he'll also be in Bad Boys 4 in 2019. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD on February 2nd. You can look for From Dust Till Dawn, the series, Season 2, to be released in a three-disc set. And it's going to include all ten episodes. March 22nd, Fear the Walking Dead, the complete first season special edition, will arrive on Blu-ray, Digital HD, and on DVD. And it will have all six episodes. April 5th, you can get the Sci-Fi Channel's The Expanse, Season 1. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, Disney Pixar's The Good Dinosaur will arrive on Blu-ray Combo Pack and Digital HD on February 23rd. February 16th, The Danish Girl with Oscar winner Eddie Redmayne will hit stores on Digital HD and then on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand on March 1st. February 2nd, Love the Coopers lands on Digital HD and on February 9th on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, it's TV and Entertainment Time. <laughs> TV and Entertainment Time. Fox has ordered a pilot for The Exorcist, the TV show based on the classic movie. Now, they've talked about that before, or there's been rumblings about it uh, somewhere anyways. But uh, Fox is going to be doing it. They've ordered it. We'll see what happens with that. And we have Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. And we even have Chicago Med. Now, we may be getting Chicago Law as the network continues to spin off the original. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get it to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays. It looks like on January 25th, Alicia Keys turns 35. On January 26th, Ellen DeGeneres turns 58. On January 28th, Elijah Wood, 35, and Alan Alda turns 80. That's Hawkeye. And on January 29th, Oprah turns 62, and Tom Selleck turns 71. On January 30th, it looks like Christian Bale turns 42, and Gene Hackman turns 86. And on January 31st, it looks like Minnie Driver turns 46. And Carol Channing, past guest here at On Screen to Be On, turns 95 years old. That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, Tyler C. of Ann Arbor, Michigan, turns 38 on January 30th. If you, a friend, or a relative are having a birthday coming up, Send me the information here at On Screen to Be On, and we will all be celebrating with you all around the world. For all the listeners here at On Screen to Be On, 
and uh, simply send it to me, like I said, at feedback at onscreentobeyond.com. Well, that's it as far as uh, listener and celebrity birthdays. Now it's time for our interview with Dustin O'Halloran. He's the composer, an Emmy-winning composer, I should say, for the theme of Transparent. He's next. Dustin O'Halloran right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is a composer who has won an Emmy for his main theme for the hit show Transparent. It's Dustin O'Halloran. Dustin, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hello. Dustin, it's a pleasure to have you here. Always interesting when we talk to a composer. We talk with a lot of actors and directors and things, but uh, it's always fun to have some people from some of the other parts of the industry that we don't hear as, as often from. Yeah, well, you hear us, you just don't see us. Right, that's right. Oh, yes, we definitely hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're in the shadows. We, we, we live in the shadows of our studio, so mm-hmm. we, we, we don't get out that much. <laughs> well, first off, I want to congratulate you on, on your Emmy. Thank you. Well, let's start from the beginning. What made you decide to become a composer? It's not something that everybody decides to do. Yeah, well, it's funny, I, my brother just pulled out of the archives he found this box in my mom's closet of these old cassette tapes and i had completely forgotten about it but he has this cassette tape when i was eight years old and i was doing a piano recital and my brother was really into documenting things on one of those little handheld cassette recorders from the 70s mm-hmm. and he ended up recording this piece i i i, I guess i had composed this piece it was very rudimentary and, and, and my uh, piano teacher let me play it at the recital. And it, it was really interesting to listen to it now after all this time has passed because somehow in it, I could hear the DNA of just that seed of, of sort of how I approach music, which was really interesting to, to hear it after all of this time has passed. And it's really beautiful to kind of see how that, um, that sort of seed, I guess, was always there. Uh, I don't know what was drawing me to it. I think I just, when I was sitting at the piano when I was young, I just wanted to find my own sounds, and I w- was always inspired by the music that I loved. But I think that that it, that just has always somehow been inside me to just sort of want to create create my own my own music. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of music did inspire you? Well, it's been, you know, it's changed and evolved over the years. But um, in the very first moments when I was learning piano, it was Beethoven and Chopin and Bach. And then when I started uh, my first year in college, I ended up meeting singer Sarah Love, and we started a group called Divix. And we went on to make about five records and, and... we were on a British label called Belly Union, and we did a lot of touring in Europe. And so that was sort of the fundamental years of sort of, of learning to to write. I was writing all the music and writing all the parts for everybody to play. And I think that that was just sort of the years of finding a voice. And during the, that time with, with the group, I was always working on piano pieces, solo piano pieces. And 
around the around 2000, late 1999, Sarah and I went to Italy to to make a record, and I ended up staying there. Ended up getting married and living in Italy, and that was when I started to work on my solo piano pieces. And it was um, sort of the beginning of this uh, this this moment where just my life started to to shift more. The focus started to shift more towards composing. Hmm. Here you are traveling all over the world. Were you born in England or anything like that, or or from the United States? No, I, I was uh, well. I was. I grew up in L.A. I was born in Arizona, uh, but really grew up my whole life in L.A. And uh, I guess I, I think we moved around a bit. I we stayed in California, but um, I lived a little bit in Hawaii with my father and in Los Angeles. And then I, I, when I when I went to move to Italy, it just sort of opened up this sort of new part where I, where I haven't, you know, this is the, I haven't been back to the States to live in a while. And, uh, I'm living in Berlin now. And so it's been, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just the, just the desire to sort of break out. I yeah. suppose. Do you, do you feel that, uh, going to other countries influenced you as far as your music? Well, it's, I think it's, it's, not so much that I was influenced by the music there. It's just, I think it's just life. I think that's where life brings you that ultimately influences your music and the experiences that you have there. And if I had never spent time in Italy and if I had never moved to Berlin, I actually don't see how any of the music could have been created because all of those experiences somehow played a part in the creation of the music. And I think that I'll make, I think that I'll make music anywhere, but I think that it just, the experiences and the people and what's happening around you ultimately find their way into it. So it definitely, you know, Europe has been a huge part of my life and, and a big influence also because I found, I think I just found a kinship of sound and, and I found a, a place that I could cultivate sort of uh, something that I think would have been harder to do in the States because I, I didn't do this studied, I didn't go to conservatory and I didn't do this sort of studied composer life, which in the U.S. I think that there's a lot of academia happening around that world. And in and, and Europe, it, it's definitely more open. And just some of my good friends out there, like Johan Johansson and Max Richter and Hauschka, and these people who are all were all kind of coming from two different worlds. We're kind of coming, you know. We all grew up listening to a lot of rock and drone and experimental music, and but but there's also a love for composing, and and that's been really accepted in Europe much more than here. So, I, being able to tour and develop develop what you're doing, I think, is really important. And as a, as a composer, I think you have to also experience performing your music live and, and, and really, you know, be able to get out there in the world. And, and there's just more limitations here in, in that sense. So my life is, is in some ways became sort of divided between Europe and the States where Europe is more of the, the creative 
my my solo work, my original work, and where that lives uh, more more healthily, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, uh, how did you get from being in Italy or, or Berlin or whatever, and end up doing the music for Transparent? Well, like everything <laughs> in my life, there's always these sort of serendipitous moments that happen and pull things together. And that was actually uh, Bruce Gilbert, who's the music supervisor, is a really old friend of mine, and I've known him since before I moved to Italy. And he was married to Jill Soloway, and so Jill has been listening to my music for a long time, especially the first two solo piano records that I released. And she had been working on a few different films and she was visiting Berlin and we had breakfast and she was telling me about her pilot and that she wanted to use some of my music for it, but, uh, and, but they didn't know if it was going to get picked up. She showed it to me and I loved it and it was so good. And, and I, and I thought the the way she was using the music worked really well. So we just basically just, sort of came up with the idea that if it got picked up that I could try working on the score and uh, and then the rest is history. That just all happened. Now, were you surprised when uh, first being nominated for an Emmy and then winning one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't expect to win, which is a really, you know, it, it, it is true that you have no idea when you're sitting there what's going to happen and even to get the nomination was a big surprise for me too. I was in Berlin buying groceries in the dead of winter and got the phone call. <laughs> so it was, it was a shock, but, uh, but it was a really fun experience. And, and I think that award shows are always a little bit, you know, it's hard to, to, I think to, you know, especially with the creative arts that, you know, anybody really wins because there's so many talented people, but mm-hmm. it, it was a fun experience. And I think that at the end of the day, the show really is just, it's, it's a really honest show, and I think that it's really well done, and so it's, it's been really great to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, you're sitting there, and they're naming off the, you know, they always name off the people who, who are nominated and everything, and then all of a sudden your name is called. I mean, you know, does your mind go blank all of a sudden? <laughs> well, it, it happened very quickly, and I think I was more shocked because Mel Brooks was giving the award, and the, wow. the fact that he was giving me the award, I, I don't know. I, what, what, <laughs> I, I, it kind of caught me, you know, that there was a, it was a little overwhelming. I, I love Mel Brooks. He's mm-hmm. amazing. He's a legend. So that was, um, that was, that was a big honor, actually. And he was such, he was he was a really nice guy, and we spoke backstage. And yeah. Did you give him your card? <laughs> <laughs> well, he gave me a hug. I, I got a hug from Mel Brooks. So that was nice. <laughs> now, uh, throughout your career, you know, like you say, you've done done a lot of other things besides Transparent. Um, but uh, I, I noticed looking through your credits that you you also did work on um, uh, as a foley artist. Is is that correct? Yeah, in Los Angeles. I, I did. I did a uh, period of doing foley. Now, now, and I, just for the, the people who are listening that that may not know what foley artists are, could you could you just give yeah. us a quick rundown of that? Well, it's basically all the sound effects that you hear in a film that are not the big explosions and those things. It's more of the the gun, the it's the footsteps and and these glasses getting put down and all the people handling things. 
uh, these kind of sounds. Now, are these actually, you know, like in the old days, they actually made the sounds. Are you actually making sounds or are you taking them from, you know, like a stock tape or not tape, but, you know, whatever it is now, digital <laughs> and putting them yeah. in? Yeah, well, I, I started before, you know, when I started, I was really, really young when I did it and I just kind of needed a, a good job and I was writing music and I just was trying to find a way that I didn't have to be a waiter or do something else. And mm-hmm. I was, it just seemed like a, a step somewhere in the right direction of sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, it was, a, it was a cool job. I learned a lot just about working with picture, which I think later helped me with film scoring because, you know, you get into the, it's, it's different, but you, you know, you get used to watching picture and time code and seeing how, you know, the, the arc of, of a, of a scene, but I was doing it really old school. It was before we were doing it to tape, actually. And uh, this was before they were working on the computers. So it was pretty old school. We, we had to do everything perfectly in time. And it was a really, it, it's one of those skills that you learned that, that you could never use for anything else in your life. <laughs> it's so specific. That, and you, But it takes so long to learn. And, and uh I guess in the past, a lot of dancers had to do it because they were the ones that had the best timing. Mm-hmm. So now, I guess I have I haven't done it in so long, and right. so now everything's cut digital and timing. I don't think I don't know if it's, it's such an issue because they can move things. Right. But back then, you literally had to do a whole scene of footsteps in time, and so yeah, it was just uh, it was it was a a way to to kind of get by in L.A. and and, and and it was a good experience. Yeah, I, I was always interested in that because it was either at at Disney World or or Universal Studios, one of those places where they actually have uh, a place where you could do that. I don't know if they still do, but you could actually go in and they would show a clip, and you'd have to add the sound effects, you know, the foley stuff. Right. And uh, you know, yeah. it was like, oh, this is cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it was when you're young. I mean, I was in my early twenties and needed a job, so it was it was, it was definitely a you know, not a, not a bad place to be for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And 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 does that would that help you any with your music? You think you know, learning the timing and things I, like that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, everything does help a little bit. But I think that um, I've always felt really comfortable in recording studios, and I've always felt really good. And I think recording any kind of sound ultimately is yeah, you, know, you know, all the experiences help you in some way. Yeah. Now, with all the other um, movies that you have uh, done sound for, not, not sound rather, but uh, you know the, the music composing, uh, besides Transparent, which you know won you an Emmy, obviously, and that's a, that's a that's a great thing. Uh, but uh, are there any of the other ones that you've done that they're closest to your heart that uh, you know you say that's that that's one of my best, you know that type of thing? Um, well, I re- I have a project that I'm doing with another composer who lives in Brussels. His name's Adam Wiltsey. And we started this project called A Winged Victory for the Sullen. Yes. And it's a sort of a, it's, it's hard to describe. He, he creates these guitar drones and he uses his guitar in a really unique way where it, it, there's a lot of pedals and he just, makes this sound that doesn't sound like a guitar, but it's beautiful. And, and him and I made a record together 
and it ended up doing pretty well in the UK and Europe. And then we were asked to do a commission for this choreographer, Wayne McGregor. And this guy is just, he's, he's one of these artists that's just working on another level. He's, he's so smart and so creative and his choreography is just incredible. And he asked us to score a 70 minute, his new 70 minute dance piece called Atomos. And he's, He's the resident choreographer for the London Royal Ballet, wow. and he's yeah, he's worked on a lot of these Radiohead videos that are dancing where where Tom York is dancing. And he's just a, he's just an incredibly creative and forward thinking person, and his his world sort of really goes beyond just dance, and he brings a lot of really great artists together. So we worked on this piece, and I, I think it's one of my favorite collaborations I've done. We, we we ended up doing four shows at Sappers Wells in London for the opening, and we played live with it. And it's just an incredible piece of art to to be a part of. And and he really pushed us to be so creative and push our boundaries of what what, what we do. And and I think to date that's still my favorite mm-hmm. yeah. my favorite collaboration, my my favorite thing that I've been able to to work on. Do you find that working with somebody is more creative for you than than trying going it alone? I, I think I like both, uh, and they're, work, working alone is I think is important to have uncompromised ideas and to really follow your own voice and your own path. And collaborating is great because you it brings you to places that you could never be on your own. And I think that that's as an artist you always need to collaborate because at some point you're going to get tired of your own voice, the sound of your own voice. And, and I think that it, it's collaborations are what also help you discover new things inside of yourself and new paths. And, and I think that it's a really important part of the creative process. Hmm. Well, Dustin, I know we have to let you go here because you've got some more interviews. I understand that, the, that you've got to go to, but before we do, uh, I got two final questions, but I wanted to bring yeah. in one more question here about your music. Uh, where can people pick up your music, uh, like the music from Transparent? Uh, is it available in, you know, like iTunes and Amazon and places like that? Yeah, well, I think Amazon is, is the, iTunes is a competitor for Amazon, so I think you can only get the Transparent score through Amazon. Okay. Uh, uh, but my own solo music, you can find everywhere. You can find it on iTunes or Amazon or any any outlet. And there's some vinyl around, which is always nice. And um, and the Wing Victory for the Solon Records are in the U.S. are distributed through Cranky, which is a label. It used to be in Chicago, mm-hmm. now in Portland. And they do a lot of really great drone music and sort of left field music. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, and then my uh, my solo stuff. Yeah, you can find it online pretty easily well great well dustin i want to finish up with the two toughest questions we're going to be asking you today (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) and uh taking us away from your music and everything when you sit back and relax what do you watch on tv what are your favorite tv shows now and of the past and what's your favorite movies now and of the past um well let's see i'm trying to think what i the problem is that lately I don't have much time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always working. Um, I think that, uh, well, um, 
I just as a show, I think the jinx was pretty well done. It was just maybe it was just the subject matter that ended up just kind of captivating me. It was really uh, that was really well done. Uh, I'm also um, really enjoyed the uh, the first season of Fargo. I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, been listening a lot to uh, a really beautiful record from an artist named Raulson. And it's called Bora, and that's released by a friend of mine. She has a label in Berlin called Sonic Pieces, and she hand makes every vinyl and every CD, and she makes these book covers, and it's really well curated. And uh, this is a really beautiful record, hmm. um, so you should definitely check that out. Yeah. yeah. And, what, and, uh, what about movies? And the last film I saw was was The Revenant, which is an amazing film. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. That, that that film really blew me away. And actually, my good friend Hildur Gottnodotir, who's a cellist from Iceland, her studio is next to mine in Berlin, and she worked on that film. She she recorded with Yuki Sakamoto. Wow. That's so, great. Jeez. Yeah. So a little bit of a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we actually have listeners in Germany and uh, all over the world, in fact. So I'm sure a lot of people uh, from that area will be listening and uh, they can check it out. And Dustin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, no problem. Nice to nice to talk with you. A big thank you going out to Dustin O'Halloran here at On Screen and Beyond for joining us and uh, telling us all about his music and everything. Uh, very interesting to hear the stories of uh, just more than actors. You know, we've got there's so many different people out there that are involved with the making of a TV show or a movie or anything like that. And we really appreciate hearing from them. Well, if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, if you have friends, tell them about On Screen and Beyond and tell them to look at onscreenandbeyond.com. Look at all the guests that we have had, over 396 guests here at On Screen and Beyond. And there's just got to be somebody there that they would love to hear the story and hear them tell their own story. And it's all right there. We've got them. You can go to iTunes. You can get most of them there, too. But uh, onscreenandbeyond.com has them all. And uh, that's, uh, you know they're there for you. So check them out. We appreciate you listening. And like I said, tell a friend so we can spread the word. If you're on iTunes, go ahead and leave a little review there. That'll help get uh, more people to hear about us, move us up in the rankings. And uh, we just keep growing and growing and love hearing from you. I love your emails. You can contact me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. So that's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.